Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Online run coaching, you've probably seen it everywhere these days, but it's a relatively new concept. We are going to have a discussion today to talk about the evolution of training over the years and how it has kind of transitioned from group training to more of this online individual approach. I have with me today Scott Sikelski, who was the head women's cross country and track coach at the UW River Falls for almost a decade. He also has 20 years of experience with personal training in person at a gym. And now Scott is a full-time online run coach and personal trainer who has been working with Run for PRs for over a year. I'm really excited for him to share this expertise in this area of group training and online training. So to kick things off, Scott, I want to know all about how you became a run coach and a personal trainer. For people who are listening, maybe they're interested in becoming a run coach. What's your story? So my story as far as becoming a coach or becoming an online coach, which story do you want to hear? Well, first, just let's talk about how you became a run coach to begin with. And then how did you transition into the online world? Awesome. So I'll give you kind of the shorter version of this because we I think we talked about it once before on a different podcast. But for me, it kind of in a lot of ways happened by accident or not accident or just I was someone who found running a little bit later in life. Um, It wasn't until I was 25 years old. And what had happened at that time in my early 20s, I was a surgical technician which if you don't know what that is, it's you hand the instruments to the surgeon. It was not something that I enjoyed doing. So when I was 25, I decided to go back to school. Um, When I did, I did that at um, UW River Falls, where you mentioned that I coached. And um, that was in 1996. And at the time, I had just started running. Ended up having a roommate that I didn't know who was training for a half marathon. So he asked me to do that with him. So I ended up training for that. Someone saw me out running who was on the cross-country team at the college kind of approached me and said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about doing cross country? 25 years old, quite honestly, I didn't even know what that was. Um, I looked it up <laughs> and found out what it was. So I ended up joining and uh, basically just fell in love with running from the moment I started doing that on and um, decided to go. That kind of led me into going into a degree in exercise science and uh, doing that. I, and I didn't still even know that I would coach. I actually, when I got out of college, and kind of done running. I was still running a lot. I was done running competitively, but I was running, you know, trying to qualify for Boston, those kind of things. And I got a job as a fitness director for a hospital um, where I needed to be a personal trainer. So I kind of got into that route. It wasn't until about two years after that, um, that I decided to start volunteer coaching um, just to kind of see what it was like. And that really just kind of got the ball rolling. I ended up uh, volunteering at UW River Falls at one point and, um, fell in love, love with coaching and the rest was history. Um, but the whole time I did that, I worked at the hospital and coached. So kind of, uh, always working kind of two gigs got a little bit difficult in 2014. I decided to step away from the uh, coaching in person, which was very, very hard for me to do. Um, but a lot of things were going on at work. We were building a new hospital and things like that. So I stepped away from it. It was a really tough decision. And I think over the last you know, two or three years when I was, do, you know, when I was done doing that, it was, it was tough because I really missed it. Um, I still did it in some ways, but then, and that's where online training comes in. You know, I, st- I had a lot of athletes that I've coached over the years, um, yourself included, and people would approach me a lot of times and said, hey, I'm running a marathon or I'm doing this, would you help me? And it was really hard to do it because old school was you'd write it for them and mail it to them or you would, <laughs> you know, there's right. all sorts of, you know, it sounds funny, but that's what you did. Or you just kind of told them what to do. Um, so I ended up finding out uh, actually through you, you know, how to do online training and started doing that a little bit more and it just kind of kept growing. And then I got the opportunity to work with run for PRs. And over the last year, I've learned a ton about online training because it is different, but it's similar as well. So right. I love it. Of the- <laughs> yeah. I love how a lot of it happened organically for you just because you found your passion with running and then it kind of evolved into a career for you because yeah. you were going back to school, you got into personal training and then 
I love how it started as a volunteer basis because I think there's a big misconception out there that people, you know, you, they, you get these jobs coaching and people are just going to hire you. A lot of the times it's going to start with that volunteer work um, because there are a lot of run coaches out there um, and there's a lot more run coaches than there yeah, are exactly. jobs. Right. So volunteering and just like sharing your passion with others. And then eventually it evolved into, okay, now you have experience um, working as a coach in person and then you got the job. I'm um, doing head coaching work and then eventually at the university, yep. which is great. Um, and even when I started at the university, my first two years, even though I had head coaching experience at the high school level, I ended up volunteering for my first two years. So I didn't get paid at all. And even I remember when we went to nationals, I like paid my own way to go there. I mean, it's just, that's kind of the dues you pay to get your foot in the door. Cause like you just mentioned, there's a lot of coaches and a lot of people that want to do it and not as many jobs. So you have to be willing to do that. Plus you learn and it's a little bit more of a non-pressure way to learn and, you learn from, from the coach that's already there. So, so it's helpful in that regard too. Yes. Always being a student in the sport. And I love how you also mentioned that you are always doing two jobs. So you would work full time as a personal trainer all day at the hospital and doing um, whatever other work you were doing there. Cause I know you, you had other tasks that you did besides yeah. just personal training and you coordinated things. Um, so then you, you'd clock out at like three head over to the university and then you would be there until five or six at night. Um, so essentially, I mean, you're working 12 to 13 hour days, you're working two jobs and it's because coaching at the university level, at least in the D3, D2, um, they just don't pay enough for right, exactly. being able to do that. Um, so I think that really just shows like your passion and dedication to the sport. Um, and it just kind of shares a little bit about of what, uh, coaching at a university level really is and it's not you know for people who want to make a lot of money it's something you're really just passionate about and you just want to help people yeah but I was just going to say that you do it because you love it not because you're going to make a lot of money especially at those levels um d1 maybe you could you could but d2 and d3 for sure you're doing it and I think obviously d1 coaches love it too but you're doing it more for that reason and, and I worked like my day was 5 a.m to 1 I'd go home for maybe an hour or two and then work from three to like six and then, you know, don't forget meets on Saturdays all day long. Um, so it was quite the grind. And sometimes I look back and think, how did I do that? You know, how did yeah. I do that all the time? But it's because you love it. And, you know, and it was kind of two different gigs to a degree. And you would uh, go from one to another. And uh, at my job at the, at the hospital was not all older people, but it was a little bit more being in a hospital setting. It was a little bit more older individuals. So kind of having that mm -hmm. nice contrast of working with them during the day do program building and that kind of thing. But then coming to the younger athletes and working with them, it was a nice, fun little blend. Right. Like a nice diverse group of people you're yeah. working with. So now we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive because we've talked about your background and a lot of your group training experience um, that we're going to refer to is probably from the university of Wisconsin River Falls. And so I'm just wondering, like looking back with all the people that you've coached, all the women you've coached, because I know you coached even national championships. Um, a lot of school records were broke under you. Uh, under your coaching, um, do you find that um, there are some super great success stories from group training? Or, and then there were also some athletes that you coached who maybe needed a more individualized approach. Yep. And that's a great question. I think, and you know this because I actually coached you, even when I, for me, I like, yeah, obviously when you're coaching cross country or I haven't been in charge of running groups too, but if you're coaching cross country, you are coaching a group but I've always still focused on the individual because what works for you might not work for the next person. So that's where group training does get tricky. Um, it can, it has a lot of benefits, but it also, and I've seen it happen a lot of times where people, they want to be in a certain pace group or they want to be run with a certain individual and they just can't train that way. So really a big part of my job was finding out what's the best way for each person to train. Now we were essentially a team. So having someone go run off on their own wasn't always a solution because that can cause other problems. Um, but you do find ways of individualizing each person's workout. Does that make sense? Right. No, that's really good to hear that you kind of individualized each workout. And I know um, when I was at the team, I knew that you kind of had like three different workouts to pick from, like different levels kind of, and you would assign them to each athlete. Yep. And then every athlete had specific paces. Um, and I know that you've also done group training in the past. I've been a participant of group training for like marathons, half marathons, you know, out in the adult world, but yep. not talking cross country. And it's, it's kind of the same um, it's sort of the same concept, but my experience with group training um, after I left college was more along the lines of, 
uh, okay, here's the group plan. Everyone's following it. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly, exactly it. And and because I've been involved in run groups too as an adult and, you know, either running, you know, being the person who organizes it or being in it. And you're, it's really hard with bigger groups or that type of thing. They just kind of roll out one plan where that's where I think it gets difficult because not everything's going to work for everybody. Right. And I think a lot of people maybe listening who haven't done online coaching or they just don't have experience with a more individualized plan. It's like most people will Google search like marathon training plan, have marathon training plan. And you come up with, you know, the free ones online, like Hal Higdon and all of mm-hmm. that. Um, and it is, it's, it's very standard. And I think that those are kind of the same sort of template plans that most of the group training have, and they work like as an outline, you know, you know, if you're super, the most average runner, um, and it works for you, like it could work for some people, right? There's always those outliers, like people who are injury prone, people who are maybe like masters runners who are doing less mileage, people who are triathletes, people who are new to the sport, or people who can like really thrive off of higher mileage, and people just fall everywhere in this spectrum. So following a generic plan, or maybe a plan that doesn't have paces specific to you um, can kind of be a downfall. But I do think there are some benefits to group training. So maybe I'll let you share some of the benefits that you've seen over the years with yep. group training. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to back up and talk about something you just mentioned first with the online training. Because people ask me all the time, especially now that I'm doing it full time, like how does it work and why would someone do that versus what you just mentioned, like a Hal Higdon program. I've actually, right. for the record, met Hal Higdon a couple of times. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like in per- like not just group talk, but I've actually had conversations with them. Um, though, like you said, those programs can work and I've seen plenty of people have success with them, but here's the thing I always tell people where it's different is let's say during the program, you just kind of mentioned it work comes up or a family issue, or you, you tweak something or you're not feeling right. You, you're not going to be able to call Hal right? <laughs> or, email or even him. if you have a race that you want to do, that's not in Hal Higdon's plan. Right. I mean, it never falls like that. It's like, what do I do? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where having a, someone who has been there before and kind of knows how to kind of drive the bus, so to speak, and, and help you kind of manage all those things. So I think a, a lot of what I do too, and you do as well, is helping people with their, because a lot of people are busy, kids, whatever, and just trying to fit that in. And how do you do that? And, and you don't get that if you just print it out. Right. And so. I think, you know, over the years of me coaching online, you coach online, I don't think I've, I've maybe had one or two athletes that have done every single training run as planned on the plan. Right. It's like things come up within a training cycle, you know, you're committing four months, you have other stuff going on running is probably lower on your priority list than, you know, family work, all that stuff. Right. So we understand we get it. Um, and figuring out like what is the best way to make the adjustments to the plan. Cause once you tweak one thing, it's like, it's almost a domino effect. Exactly. Like everything kind of needs to change and it's hard to play the guessing game unless you're like really into running and you want to make your own plans and you're just geeking out over it. Right. Then that's fine. But some people it's like, Oh no, what do I do? Shoot. Um, and that's kind of where a run coach can, right. can help you navigate those waters. And I've had it happen all the time where someone will say just the domino effect you just talked about. Someone will say, hey, you know, I really need to, can I switch this run to this day and do this? Well, it affects everything else. So I'll, I will say, I'll go on there. I'm not only going to change that run. I'm probably going to end up changing two or three of them because the, the way I, the order I had you do them in or whatever isn't going to work if you switch days. Um, right. So just things like that. And you wouldn't know it. And, and you talked about kind of geeking out and writing your own program. I did that for a while on my own. But what I found out, you know, when I was training for marathons and trying to qualify for Boston and I would follow them, but it's a lot easier to be like, well, I'm supposed to run five today, but it's okay to do four because no one's going to know. Exactly. Um, yes. It, yeah, go ahead. Or for me, I'm like, I'll have my plan ready. And if I don't have any accountability and something comes up and I make an adjustment, I'm like, well, I think I can handle a little more than that. I'm always like have that tendency to overdo it, which mm-hmm. is really bad. And I'll always just like ear on that side, <laughs> which I think a lot of athletes do. It's like they make an adjustment to their plan and then they don't realize like, how much harder they're going to make their plan. And if they don't plan for that extra recovery, yeah, exactly, um, it's super critical. And so what I do too, even now, I mean, I run coach a lot of people and I've coached my brother writes my training. Who's also does online run coaching for fun as a, as he's retired. And, but it's the accountability is awesome because if I was to write it, like I just said, I might be like, Oh, no one's going to know if I do four or five. And I, I could, I guess lie to my brother, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so, so when I see something on the schedule, I want to do it. And it's just that accountability and that part, at least for me, motivates me. I know everybody's motivated differently, but that helps me to stay 
you know, kind of true to what my goal is and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I love that. And I think I've heard a quote before where it's like a good coach knows when to push and when to hold back. And I think there's like two types of athletes. There's always a, those athletes that want to overdo it and work yep. really, really hard. They're like the workhorses. They're like, no, I hate rest days. I don't give yep. And then there's the athletes who are kind of like, oh, something came up, something came up. You know, they're always yep. kind of doing less than. And that um, kind of leads back to the question you asked, which is, you know, benefits of group training and stuff. I think there's benefits in that, again, the accountability, like, especially if you're going to go meet a group of people, even if it's not a, like an organized group, if it's a group of friends, you feel the accountability of, oh, I, you know, I better get out of bed and show up because there's sometimes <laughs> you get up and you're like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do this today or whatever. So there's that that helps um, some of the and I think that's a perk. I think there's there's kind of pros and cons just like there is with everything. Um, if you go to these running groups, my biggest fear is like, if I'm training someone, so I have people now that are coaching online and they'll go to a run group, which is totally fine. As long as the pace and the group they're running with is, you know, appropriate, appropriate right? for them. And, <laughs> and, it, and I, I'll, I'll talk to you as a, someone who's organized these run groups. One thing that we kind of would say whenever we would advertise it is the hope is we have someone at your pace to run with, but we can't guarantee that. So sometimes you'll have people show up too, and they'll not quite have someone at their pace. So they'll run a little faster they'll run a little slower or they'll go a little further or they'll do something that maybe wasn't in their plan, which sometimes can be okay, but you have to be careful of doing that too much. Um, and I think the, probably the overworking thing is the thing that I've seen more than anything. And I'll use myself as an example. And this goes back to more when I ran cross country, there was people on the team and you shouldn't think this way, but I'm going to be honest that I wanted to beat, like I wanted to like be as fast as them. But I, when I look back now, I had no way of, they were like three minutes faster than me in an 8k. It wasn't happening, but I would go, what would I do on easy runs? I would stay with them. They're running easy. I'm not. Guess what happens? I'm higher risk for injury. My races don't go as well. All those things happen. So that's to me where group stuff gets a little bit tricky. I've fallen in the trap myself many times. Right. And I love how you talked about the easy days because that's where it's really dangerous yep. um, with the group training because you can physically run faster than what you should be doing on your easy days. So your easy days should be so easy that it's like conversation pays. Some athletes describe it as like feeling like you're on a walk almost. Yep. It's just such an easy pace. Um, but then you go to these groups and if there's no one to run with, or if you want to run with someone who's a little faster than you, you end up going, you know, a minute per mile faster, you're maybe running around your marathon pace. You can run that pace for a very, very long time. Like you, right. you could every day run around marathon pace, um, physically, but eventually what's going to happen is it's going to lead to burnout. You're not going to be able to hit your workouts. You're putting a lot of stress on your body and you might not feel it right away because marathon pace technically should, and usually does feel in the realm of easy, yep. you know, but you're going to be like, why am I sucking at all my races? Or why am I not gaining fitness when I'm running, you know, with all these fast people? And it just, it can be really hard to step away from yeah, that. I think psychologically too, not just the physical side of it. You start thinking, like you said, well, I ran with these people. Why can't I not race like these people? Or I can't do this pace or that pace because you're not training properly on your easy runs or on workout days and, and things like that. So it can all lead to kind of a, I don't want to say a vicious cycle, but sort of where it's mental and physical, both can kind of start leading you down a path that was not the reason you went to a run group in the first place. Yes. I love how you said that because there's people that run with you on those group run days and it's like, they might run a certain time in a, you know, in a 10 K 5 K I'll take me and my husband, for example, we're about 45 seconds to a minute per mile apart in any race, very consistently <laughs> all across time. Right. Um, but I can run with him. And if we do, and he is going his true, you know, easy pace, I'm going a lot faster than I should. Mm -hmm. And there have been seasons of life where I'm doing a lot of my runs too fast with him. You know, we're going 730, we're going seven minute pace. And it doesn't mean that I can ever compete with him in a race. All that means is you're running your easy runs too fast. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean I'm getting fit. Um, me being fit would be doing quality workouts and then keeping my easy days around, you know, eight, nine minute pace, um, which isn't as fun. You know, you know, I don't get to run with him, but it's what's going to make me faster in the long yeah, run. Yeah, that, um, that's a super good point. So you should coach. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's all very, very good stuff. Yep. And I can, um, I'm going to use a quick example of some, and you can make it work at times. Like you said, you know, you'll go running with Jason, uh, you know, occasionally. I have a friend of mine who, you know, Jim Felling, who's faster than I am. And there'll be times we'll go out and maybe do a workout on the track or something together, or even just if it's out in the wide open or whatever and doing mile repeats, but we'll set it up ahead of time. Cause he's about 
let's say he's doing them 30 seconds a mile faster than I am. I'll start out at the pace I'm supposed to go to, on and I'll do it on my own. He'll wait for 30 seconds and then he'll just slowly catch me. Yes. Um, and it works. Doing out track extremely. workouts works so well yes. like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's motivating for me. You got to be a little careful because if you're the person up front, which I've done this, I'm like, I don't want him to catch me. I don't want him to catch me, but I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to, he is supposed to catch me by the end. And so you have to really be disciplined to be able to do that. So again, there's always kind of that double edge, like it's good and it can be bad at the same time. Right. Or even just sharing the track. If you don't want to make it, you know, super competitive, just sharing the track with other people, yeah. that like whole camaraderie thing. You can do like the workouts in the same area. Yeah. Maybe you're not doing it together. Um, or if, you know, it works out where sometimes my marathon pace will be, you know, on that upper end of Jason, my husband's easy pace. So like if I have, you know, a 10 mile marathon tempo, you know, peak marathon training, um, he could run that with me and that would be like an easy run for him. So finding people where it's like, it makes sense, um, within your training to train with them. But what you don't want to have happen, which is what happened Boston 2015, my first Boston I was training for, I ran with, a local running group. I won't <laughs> be dropping any names or anything, but I showed up. I was really excited for it. Um, no one ran my pace. So people uh, were either, you know, in that 330 marathon pace range or they were like sub three where I was like more of that 315, 320. I had no one to run with. So I was very tempted to run with those sub three people because I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, run with the 330. I don't right. want to run at the slower group when I should have just been running with the slower group. For ended sure. up kind of burning out. So it's a true, yep. true problem. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It's always better to go, like if you go on a long run and you're going to go a little bit slower, I think it's okay, than vice versa. Um, because yeah, a lot of, as you know, marathon training, a lot of it's time on your feet and it's just about being out there. You don't want to go so slow that you're changing your, you know, your body mechanics or something like that because then I would be worried about an injury. But you know, if you're going a little bit slower, it's totally okay. And I think some people have a tough time with that too because so many of us are slaves to the pace. Like, oh, you know, we're supposed to do this pace. It can vary a little bit. And like you said, it should just without a doubt feel easy on those easy days. So. Right. Totally. Yeah. Stepping down a pace group, that's always the best option. And I think a lot of people, their inclination is to go with the faster group, but in reality, it's it just go with the slower group. If anyone's <laughs> listening to this and you're training for a marathon, you're doing a group training, go with the slower group. Don't push yourself, yeah, 100%. Um, especially on those easy days. Yeah. Um, so have you ever witnessed a very talented athlete that became burnt out because of training with a group and maybe going too fast on their group runs? Yep. I witnessed it. Me personally, I kind of told you that story already that I got burnt out. because I was continuously trying to keep up with a group that I was not ready to run with. Um, and I got a little, I had some injury issues. I got burnt out, but I've seen it happen a lot in, especially in the, um, when I was coaching cross country, which is group training, you know, a lot of people that just needed they, they just couldn't separate go into a group and and still be kind of an individual if you, if you know what I mean like they would need to go in and, and be able to okay I, I need to run this pace or do whatever they'd let other people push them or they'd they just couldn't quite do the group setting so I've seen that way more than a, a few times and people and not necessarily getting burnt out to the point of quitting but I, I have had a few people and people you know who are on the cross-country team then ended up, you know, coming to me and saying, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore because I don't love it the way I used to. And I think a lot of it was pressure of trying to always run with a certain group or do that kind of thing. So, yes, I've, I've seen it. I, I don't know if I have better examples than that, but I've seen it more than once. Right. Yeah, that's really sad when it kind of gets to the point where, like, it's no longer fun. Yeah. It's so competitive and even if you are taking your easy days pretty easy, you can still get burnt out by racing workouts. And I think that's yep. another thing people don't really understand is when you see, you know, the pace is written down or you're in a group setting and it's tempting to, to see how fast can I go on all these workouts. But yep. over time, if you're racing every workout, it's going to take you a know, toll. You made me think of something that I see quite a bit. I've seen people that, you know, in college or, or, or you know, when they're doing more of the group thing where they're struggling to, you know, kind of, find their way as far as like what pace they can run and do that kind of thing or races and then they leave the group setting and kind of go individual and all of a sudden bam they're running like like I I can think of a few people in college people that you know who ran kind of a certain like 5k or 10k um, race in college and then went on to start doing marathons and they're like way faster than they ever were in college right yep because they kind of more individualized it slowed those runs down listen to just one voice, which is their own and just didn't try to like compete in practice and all those things. So you see it 
time and time again of people that excel afterwards. And I'm not trying to down the group training part of it, but it's, it, there's definitely, it's, you, you got to do it the right way. Right. I think there's certain people and certain personality types that really benefit from the group aspects and group training. And then I think some people, it's just, it's not a, the best environment for them. And just knowing what is the best for you as an individual and as an athlete, like for me and my husband, for example, Jason is someone who could always train with a group. Um, he doesn't like get competitive in a group setting unless it's a race and he knows how to tone it down. Um, for me, if I'm in a group, I just, I don't know why, but it, it just feels so much like a race to me. And I just, I'm not in control and I'm not listening to myself. I'm too busy, you know, talking to people or socializing and I get like my adrenaline going yeah. every time. Um, so do you think that there's certain personality types that benefit more from group training? Um, I think so. And I think it's like you said, it's, it's, it's really person to person. Like you said, Jason loves it. You don't. I'm someone who I can now do it and go, and go to a long run and I'm smart enough to like, know what I need to run that day and talk to people and kind of figure out what I should be doing and that kind of thing. Where in the past I was not that way. Um, but I definitely, there are people you see with different, I don't want to say type A personalities, but personalities where that just kind of, they can't, they can't do an individual thing within a group. They got to do what the group's doing. Right. Totally. And I think some of it maybe has to do with self-control. I don't want to say I don't have any self-control, but I think, <laughs> You know, they're like you said in the past, you weren't able to do it, but now you are. I think that's maybe part of like the wisdom of growing up within the sport and saying, I don't need to race every workout. And yeah. uh, sometimes that's like a hard lesson to learn for people. But yeah, I liked what you shared. Yeah. And just checking your ego at the door sometimes and, you know, being able to go to, with these groups. And like I'll use an example and it's not running. Not, you know, I'm getting ready in a couple of weeks to do this um, road biking ride through the mountains in Colorado and I don't bike much like at all. So I just started training. I ran, and I biked with my friend Megan this morning who I know is a better biker than me, but I talked to her ahead of time. I said, Hey, I really need to do this. <laughs> and she was willing enough to go slower for me. And, but I think you have to have those conversations and not just go and go, Hey, let's go for a bike ride. And then I'm holding on for dear life, which I might've been doing a little bit anyway, but holding on. Cause you know, to keep up with her. But if you talk to the person ahead of time or the group, and say, hey, this is what I'm looking to do and finding out what they're looking to do and finding that right match. I think it can work. And it, it helped me today. I probably would have, if I went on my own today, I probably would have done about 20 miles, but we did 45. So. Yes. Dra yeah. You know, kind so of going together, you can go further. Right. Um, but I love how you said to communicate, just to ask someone like how fast and how far are you going? And just really being honest about that. So if you're listening and people have asked you that before and you've lied or you've said, oh, like you've downplayed what you're going right. to do, just really be honest. Because when people are asking, they're asking because they don't want to overtrain. They don't want to get burnt out. Um, whereas I also think it's important to ask those questions uh, or if someone said they're going to pace you for something it's your responsibility to make sure that that person knows how to pace you. And if you trust that person to actually pace you and communicate, Hey, I have to go, you know, eight thirty pace today. And I'm not allowed to go any faster than, you know, eight fifteen for yeah. eight miles and really communicating that and say, you know, if you want to run faster than that, then don't run with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And whenever I do race plans, if I'm talking to someone about doing a marathon and let's say they decide they want to go with the pace group and I'm kind of, we will, this is a different discussion for a different time. What I feel about, because some pace groups do real well in a marathon and some don't, but my thing is to always tell them the day before either at the expo or that morning in the race, I want you to go up and talk to them and what is their plan? Like, how are they going to approach it? Cause some like to start out a little quick or some start out a little, just so you know, too, you know, what, what is the plan? And ultimately maybe you use them if it's working out well, but you still got to run your own race if it comes down to it. So I always like that communication in that sense, too. I don't know if you have people do that, but I like them to talk to the pacer to kind of get a feel for what's going to happen so they know it, so they don't just blindly start following somebody. Yes, pacers. That is such a great topic that you just brought up. <laughs> and actually, uh, I just tell people I, I wouldn't run with them. Just I like how you say to talk to them because that's probably like the better advice, yep. but just like you said, it's an individual who's out there pacing. They're not a robot, you know, like they are yeah, not necessarily exactly. getting paid to do it. Um, they're just doing it because they're a runner. They love to run. And these pacers are a lot faster than the pace that they're going to be pacing. So 
their inclination sometimes if they're not super experienced or maybe they're they want to positive split the race that's just their how they're gonna do it yeah they go out pretty hard at times yep um, i've seen it way too i've experienced it myself being paced yep. by someone and so i'm with you and i usually tell people you know if they really want to go with the pacer that's fine but I, I would more so gear them towards keep an eye on the pace group but do your own thing keep an eye yep. on what you're doing just you know don't go way in front of them but you know keep keep your eye on them and use them if you can but you never know what you're going to get and i have some horror stories i could tell you about pace group stuff so it's like oh right and, yep. I'm, and i'm not again trying to downplay that it's great that people do that but you like you just said they're not robots they're not gonna nope. like although i will say the guy that paced me for the 310 group around right, 309.59 so he was right crazy. and that's the crazy <laughs> part is like you might be talking to your friend who's pace, uh, ran with a pacer once and it was perfect and you're like well all paces are perfect like Nope. Each person who's pacing is an individual. Yep. Um, they could just have a fluke day where their GPS isn't working and they accidentally are like running too fast for a couple miles in the beginning and yep. there can, anything can happen. So just knowing your own pace and running within yourself is always a good plan. Yep. And even for me, like whenever I do it, um, do any sort of marathons or races, I try to start just behind like the pace group that I want to be faster than at the finish. Yep. So if I'm there, I have a half this weekend and I'm going to see the 130 pace group. My goal is to run like 127, 126, hopefully. Not <laughs> um, but I'm going to start behind the 130 pace group because I know they're going to like people in races go out hard and yep. like those first 800 meters, it's not going to make a difference, right? Like you're, you're going within 10 seconds per mile of your goal race pace. And I would rather be on, you know, the slower end in the beginning, because when you go out too hard in a race, that is trouble. Yep, right? For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's super good points. So I'm going to share one quick story with you. I knew some people doing the San Diego marathon and they're, they're like their first one. And they were trying to run around four hours. And so they went with the pacer and about, they said maybe two or three, cause I talked to him that evening. Like two or three miles into the the race, the pacer goes, "Hey, I'm feeling great," and took <gasps> off, and left. Like just started hammering the. So they they ended up pacing the group. These two people, and oh they the good gosh. news is they broke four hours and it went well and they were smart enough. But I can't believe that that to this day that that happened. I'll never forget that story. That the person just and hopefully they got in trouble for it. But they were right. pacing this group and just said, "I feel great." And well, you should be if you're pacing a group that's wow. much slower than you used to going. So that you know, that's probably obviously pretty rare occurrence. But well, right. But I actually know. one time when I was I was pregnant, so I was running quite a bit back. It was like the red, white, and boom um, half marathon. It was pretty hot that day, and I was running near. I think it was like the one fifty five or two hour pace group. And around mile four, I could tell like the pacers were working really hard because it was like 99% humidity. It was super Ugh. hot. And one of the pacers was like, I can't do this. He started walking and he like handed his sign to someone oh. else. There were two pacers for that group, luckily, but it just makes you realize like that can happen. Yeah, you know, and like it's if you not just their have fault crazy in that right? situation. It just, you know, they just didn't have a good day and the, the, that snuck up on them or whatever. I, I think that's a little different than the person taking off, but I, that's totally. our point is though, just, and I always, every time I have a race plan, it's just be really careful and run your race first and foremost. And I like what you said. I like to start out behind and, and uh, eventually catch that group and pass them. Right. That's, that's a great point. In a perfect and then just, world. Right. And knowing the paces that you <laughs> should be running and not really worrying about like what they're doing. Cause they're not going to be running, you know, you don't know what they're going to be doing unless you've talked to them. So don't use them as a gauge for if you're on pace for your goal or not. Yep. I just did a, a half marathon in November and I think it was supposed to be like a 745 or 750 pace. And I didn't turn my Garmin on when it started. I just forgot. Oh. So I just kind of trusted the pace pacer for that group. And I'm thinking, man, this feels a little fast. And it was 705. <gasps> and then the second one, and I'm, and I should know better after how much I run. I kind of stuck with him for one more mile. It was like a 715. So oh finally my. I left him and uh, let him go. But they were way ahead of me. But I ended up passing him at the end. But um, wow. you just have to. But that's knowing your – and I should have known better to know sooner. But I'm like, oh, that's a little downhill. Maybe it's not as fast as I think it is. And then we came through, and I'm like, oh, crap. And then it gets in your head a little. And um, you, you want to be careful of that. So that, like you said, just follow your plan. But you can maybe you can use them. But – plan on using you know your own individual stuff first right and the hardest thing is like you're going out let's say you went out a 710 mile and your goal was to go out in 750 um the worst part about that is slowing down like 
when you slow down that early in the race, piles of people are just going to be blowing by yeah. you and to the ego and like to your yourself as an individual yeah. just feels terrible. But that's what you have to do to like get back in control. Otherwise, the yeah. end of the race is going to be right because one yeah. mile isn't going to, you know, hurt you that bad. But if you do it for two, three, four, then all of a sudden you're in trouble. Yeah. So you have to be really careful. So and that's why I've started even more so. Like, why do I even, you know, I feel like we're I'm downing pace groupers or something, but it's like, <laughs> that's why I almost get like you to, to not do it or just, uh, and there's some people that really want to. Um, I think one thing, usually pacers are pretty good at cutting tangents. That's one pro I would Ooh, give them yep. um, where I'm not. Um, so that can be nice, but, in the, you know, do it individual first and foremost. And I do think pace groups, like after the first half of the race, they tend to be pretty, <laughs> they tend to be a lot better. So if yep. you're later miles in the race and you're like, oh, like the 130 pace group, like um, you're probably on pace for what you're running, but it's still yep. spurt- runs adrenaline is high yeah uh, where it gets a little weird and hopefully they're in their groove by then so right but I love how you were talking about pacing and how you tell your athletes how to pace themselves for marathons and everything and that kind of goes more into the individualized approach that online coaching can kind of provide so if you're in a group training cycle let's say you're training for Twin Cities or you know Chicago Marathon you're doing a group run that's great because you get mm-hmm. those those group runs you have people to train with and everything but we're at least in my experience, when I participated in it and when my husband coached the groups, the biggest downfall there was not being able to have like those individualized race plans, not really knowing where your fitness is because you're not getting that feedback from the coach because yep. the coach is more, they're focusing on let's set up the water stops for the group run and making sure the group, you know, has people to run within each pace group, but they're not looking at like your workout data individually and saying like, oh yeah, like, Bob, you're in this shape because right. you did this workout and then giving you like a very specific race plan to you. I think that's one of the downfalls of group training where um, online coaching might be a better option for someone who wants that more um, individual approach. And I know that's kind of why we, I started Run for yep. PRs was because I just didn't know. Like I had so many questions. I was like, well, what does this workout mean? Or what type of shape I am? And I didn't have the answers um, in the group setting. Yep, and that's what I like about doing the online coaching. It's think about it as like you just said, like the people setting up the water tables or doing whatever. It's the same thing really when you're coaching. Even when I was coaching in college, yes, I had a good idea of what everybody was doing, but when people would go for a lot of their runs, I wouldn't have an idea of what their actual pace was or ac- actually what they're doing. With this, I see every single workout uh, a person's doing, and you can kind of gauge, you know, what should they do next and what can they realistically do in a race and those types of things. And I think you talked about it earlier, you know, you kind of miss that a little bit too, if you're doing like a pre-written program, that kind of thing, where online training, and it's, I didn't know how it was going to be until I started doing it as a coach, because obviously it's different than seeing someone in person, but I think it's almost more individualized because I I have to be focused on each single thing they're doing on a daily basis. So it, it really helps me as a coach to help someone progress or race plan or workout plan or whatever it might be. Or a lot of times it's, you know, switching schedules or doing whatever, um, it's hard to do that if it's a big group of people. Right. No, totally. And now I'm even thinking back to in college and how you didn't know the paces that everyone was running, you know, on their long runs. You didn't know if someone was running super fast on one of their long runs. And then what you would have done if you would have had access to that data is you probably would have been able to have a more individualized plan. And I bet that was probably one of the biggest struggles that you had coaching in a group setting is because you didn't know like the stats on each individual athletes. Cause I mean, this was even before garments and stuff. So people oh, yeah. didn't really know what pace or how long they were going. Um, and I so sometimes had an idea because people would tell me, Hey, such and such was running with this group or blah, blah, blah. But you're exactly right. Like I'd have you meet everybody meet for a long run. You go out and do it. I don't know what paces everybody's doing. I know what paces I told them to do, but I don't know what they're actually doing. And you know, they might tell me, and like you said, there was no garment. So they might say, Oh, it felt good. But I, you know, who knows? So that's where I think this, especially the age of technology, it's, it's almost in a lot of ways, online training is easier. Right. It, it probably removes a lot of that gray area. Cause I'm sure there were athletes that you were coaching who maybe like progressively were getting slower and you were like, what are the, what am I doing wrong? Right. What's going on here? But if you would have had access to all of that data, like, oh, well, she ran her long run pace at faster than her half marathon pace, right. you know, and that's why she wasn't hitting her workouts and she's burning out. And, uh, but whereas you would have had to really, you know, 
be personable and figure out each it's just harder when you don't have the data right there in front of you and I think that's why too when I was coaching and you'll remember this I would do like tempo runs like on the track so I could keep an eye on everybody and their paces because it's important to do the right pace for those types of workouts so I didn't want people just out doing it because people tend to do them too fast um so for that reason I would you know try to do workouts and schedule them that way and that's what's a little bit nicer even though it's you know I don't see the person you know, they do a time trial or I have a race that they've recently done or whatever, and I can give them a pretty good, you know, estimate of what their pace should be. But then, of course, they should also, we also talk about effort and how it should feel too. Right, totally. I think the paces are like the most important part because um, they're so specific to each athlete and doing those time trials and figuring out exactly where your fitness is and assigning those dot paces um, for each workout and having it really customized to each athlete is huge. And yep. I know you did that in the group setting, you would assign us all paces. Um, but whether or not we, you know, adhere Care to them them. on our easy days and all that, but yeah, uh, but and now you can true. actually see if people yep. are doing it. Yeah. And especially with their garments, because now they can't, you know, if they just write them in, I don't know what they're doing. But they um, so if you ask me, I'll tell you a quick story. If you ask me, like, what's maybe a negative of online training is right, we do have to trust that what you're telling us is what you're doing. And I, when I first started doing this, this is before I worked with you, um, I uh, was doing a little bit of it on my own. And a, my brother had put me on to someone and he was, he was training for something. It wasn't actually a running event. And I'm not going to say what the event is because I don't want to like call the person out. <laughs> right. But he was training for something. So I trained him for a boat. And I even talked to him on the phone a couple times. And, um, but wrote his, did his training, did that on Final Surge, which is an app similar to Training Peaks. And was progressing him along for like three months. Well, he asked if he could talk to me. So we ended up talking on the phone. And he admitted to me that he hadn't done one single workout in that entire three months, even though he had written down every day that he did. So he actually wrote down and would even say, oh, felt great, things like that, and would fill it in that he did it. And he did not do one single workout, but he just liked having that communication and doing that. So it's like I had no, and obviously he wasn't hurting himself because he wasn't doing it. But, you know, if you don't give us the right information or what you're doing, then we can't help you as far as progression. And that's obviously a pretty out there experience, but he didn't do one single workout. Oh my god! In gosh. three months. And it was like, you know, he just, I just really liked, you know, and then he wanted me to like, well, I want to get back into it. And I'm, you know, could you just write out that I'm just going to cross train two days a week? Uh-huh. I'm like, well, I think you can do, you know, it was hard. And he, and he had some things that had gone on in his life and he kind of explained why, but that's a drastic example to say that the one thing that you do need to make sure you're telling us the truth and how you're feeling and what your paces are. And that's again, where Garmin comes in and, you know, Strava and all those things, it's a little harder to, to do that. So. Right. Or like if, if they're running and maybe through a little bit of pain and they don't say it right away, but I guess you could have that with group or in person, but I do think, yeah, just being as open, as honest as possible and leaving like a lot of feedback. Um, those are all really great tips for people to really enhance whatever online coaching or even in-person coaching experience. Yeah. Cause I can't help you if you don't tell me, you know, if I don't know what's going on and the more information I have, the more I can help. Yeah, that's really good. Um, do you ever think that people are skeptical that online coaching won't work for them? Oh, I think so. And I, you know, I talk to people who know that this is what I'm doing and they kind of ask a lot of questions. Um, I'll tell you what, I've, since I've been with you for the last year, I've had, you know, super good results. I really haven't had any negative feedback. And there's been plenty of people that, as you know, aren't too sold on it. And then they finally take the leap and do it. And now I've been coaching them for like a year. Um, but I, I think there are some of that, but for the most part, I mean, it's so individualized. There's so many, I always, whenever anything in life, like even when I was going to go down to, you know, switching jobs, pros and cons, I think there's just so many more pros. I mean, probably the only con is I don't actually maybe physically see it do it, but I think we're in an age where I don't need to do that. And I'm learning that more and more as we keep doing this. Right. I think because it's so new, it's like kind of a more new concept within the last I don't know, five years, it really started to, to grow. I think people, they just, it's a new concept and just understanding what all it entails. And so if you could give a little bit of a description for like, what does online coaching entail? Um, like if someone were to sign up with you, what is the first thing that they do? Yep. So I think uh, one thing that's really well that you do is you have them fill out a questionnaire that tells a lot about their running history and not just their running history, just you know, with races and things, just your good experiences, your bad experiences, as much information as you can get. 
So usually we start with that and then I probably have some follow-up questions after I read it. And then also we kind of talked about, and I'm glad you kind of brought it back up is, you know, the reason like we a lot of times have people do a time trial. So I know some people, they find that a little intimidating or they don't want to do it, but that's the real, the main reason for that is so we're, we as coaches know what paces to start you at for an easy run for any kind of a workout you might be doing. Um, so it's real important to do that. But I think the thing that I tell people all the time, cause I get this question now that I'm doing this, you know, full time is, you know, how do you do this? And it's get as much information as you can. The first, I think couple weeks, month is a little bit of learning, you know, each other and then just kind of progressing from there. So I think, um, getting as much information as you can early, which you, you do a great job with that questionnaire. It's really, really helpful to read that. And I read it before I even reach out to the person. So right. when I'm talking, I can ask them some questions if I need to. Right. So when I first started, I just kind of had like the bare skeletons of what sort of questions to ask because I didn't really, you know, have a lot of experience doing online run coaching. And then over the years, as we kind of grew and like I gained more experience, um, there were certain things I needed to kind of know. And so those we developed this athlete questionnaire and it gave us kind of a way to see what type, sort of athlete you are. Um, so there are some athletes that come to us and they have some great speed and they really want to work. Um, more in the marathon distance and we would more cater the workouts to more marathon specific really working on lowering the threshold making sure we're not overreaching on easy days um, where there's some people who come to us and they're very even throughout um, yeah. the sports like their 5k PR says exactly what their marathon PR should be um, so we're going to be adding a little bit more speed work there just to kind of make sure we can get faster across the board because if you don't have that raw speed, you're not going to be able to, you know, lower your, your times across the board. So it's just, it, it really depends. Each athlete is so different. And when mm -hmm. we have that background on you and we can see what is your athlete profile, like what sort of training do we need to implement for you? And there's so many different, um, scenarios out there right but once you gain that experience of okay yes I've worked with someone very similar to this um you kind of know exactly the plan of attack and it's very individualized to each person um in that regard and I right. think some coaches they don't understand that like if you know like your 5k PR is 20 flat and your marathon PR is like four hours and you're doing this generic plan you found online and you're just doing 800s 400s 800s right. 400s um, you might get an even faster 5k PR, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of speed work in that marathon plan that you found online, but you're not going to get faster in the marathon because you're not doing marathon specific training right. and people get really frustrated. They're spinning their wheels, spinning their wheels. They can't figure it out. Um, and even then it's like, if they do start doing marathon specific training, they might be not training at the appropriate paces or right. maybe they're not fueling at all. And these are all things that a coach can give you the feedback and make sure that you're training at the appropriate level to actually see improvements in the areas that you want to see improvements in. Yep. And we have, you know, one thing that's really, that I, I really love about this is I have someone I'm coaching who's done like 35 marathons. So she kind of knows her thing, but we, we tweak some things to kind of try to get her time faster, just like you mentioned. But I've also have someone who her goal, and I want people who are listening to, to really listen to this. Her goal was to run a mile without stopping when we first started like wow. nine months ago. She did that. Now she's ran a 5K in right around 30 minutes, like nine months later. Oh, my gosh. Later. That's amazing. <laughs> stories. Like, to me, that's – and I actually just got an email from someone yesterday, and he started with me, and, like, we're – I think I got him right away, so I've had him for a year. And he so, sent me two screenshots, and I actually meant to send you these. And one was from this time last year. He was running, like, on an easy run, like a 945 pace, and his heart rate was, like, 150 to now. And he, he did one from the other day. He was running an 830 pace and his heart rate was 130. Wow. You know, just, and he just said, you know, I can't think enough for like how much I've just improved fitness besides racing. And he's had PRs and things like that. And obviously that's what, what the goal is, but also just improvement over a year like that is that that's super fun. So one thing that I think with online training too, is you have so many different goals and it's a little easier to do that than if you're like, when I coach cross country, you're all running the same distance. Yep. You know, this is like all over the place so that it has to be more individualized. I can't just throw something at you because it's not going to work. Like you just said, if you're doing just 400s or whatever, yeah, you're going to get faster, but you're not going to have the endurance yep. to make it 26. I love how you brought that up. We work with such a diverse group of people. Like you have someone who is like a 305 marathoner, but you also have that person who just want to run a mile without stopping yep. um, where you can really zone in and train each of them 
as like the coach that you are giving them the support that they need to reach their goals. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the day, I think you're going to be able, or we're able to reach a broader um, span of athletes and be able to help them in a more specific way because you get that individualized um, training. And also you don't have that whole like group, group think mindset where, you know, maybe like someone who's training for a marathon, you're not going to have the same athletes show up to that group training as someone who's training for their first 5k. So where you, it's like, we're all one big team and we have people training for, you know, sub three hour marathon and also just training to run a mile without stopping, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Yep. And I think with, you know, getting back to like the group training versus being an individual and do those things. Like I have someone who has a very nice balance. She does all of her, most of her running on her own. stuff. she goes to a group run for her long runs, but they also, she has a pace that's appropriate for her. And we've talked about it. And we did talk about how, yes, we can kind of, we'll follow what that group is doing, but I'm probably gonna have you do different things at times that you'll have to either not go to the group or make sure that like we talked about earlier, you're communicating and you're doing, cause we might have them do something, you know, like maybe just finish fast at the end or something like that. Um, so I think you can blend the two to some degree, um, but the more individual you can make it, the better it's going to be for you because you are indeed an individual. <laughs> yes, I love that. We have so many people that go to like Orange Theory or that mm-hmm. go to group trainings and we make it work within their plan. Um, but I love how you brought up the person who they just wanted to run a mile without stopping and then getting to their first 5K because I think sometimes – um, we get a lot of people who say, well, I'll work with a coach someday, but I'm just not at that level yet. Or do you work with beginners or I'm not fast enough to get a coach. And that is like crazy when I hear people say right. that, it, it's like, well, if you want a coach, you, you are fast enough to get a coach. Like there is no prerequisite to work with a coach. Um, and we a beginner literally probably people. needs it more than anybody. Right. I mean, exactly. Everybody, you know, can benefit, but I think that's where you can really benefit with someone who's been there. Cause I didn't used to run. I was a smoker. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am. I've been there, you know, so I get it. And what it's like to just be starting out, you get it, you've been there. Yep. Um, and, and knowing that how to safely build that up, especially we've learned so much now. Um, you know, I started running when I was 25 now I'm 49. So I've learned a lot. Um, so you can help people not maybe make some of the same mistakes you did and that type of thing. So I think that I love working with that group. Yes, I know. I love working with beginners too. And also I think, um, having someone that doesn't have like years of running experience behind them, it's a great thing to sign up with an online run coach because then you have someone like in your corner supporting you. Cause sometimes when you first start to run, no one that you know is a runner. Sometimes you only have a couple of friends that are running and you don't really have anyone to like bounce ideas off of or ask run questions to like, how do I feel for my marathon? Or is it crazy to want to do a marathon after, you know, only doing a half six months ago? Um, Those sort of questions are great questions that you can ask your coach and you can, tell them like your crazy dreams that we believe in you and we can help yeah. you establish a plan to get there and a long-term approach. Yeah. Um, and I've worked with elite runners, you know, like you said, coaching national champ, all those things, but I get just as much pleasure a, a, a coaching someone who's never done it before, because like we just said, I, we've been there. Um, so it's really fun for me. And you see a lot of progress and it's really cool and how excited they get about it and just trying to do it in the right way and, and teach them right from the get go how to do it the right way. Right. I love it. And I feel like each coach kind of has their own specialty. And so that's why it's great that Run for PRs has so many coaches. Um, So like anytime someone signs up, it's like I always try to pair, okay, what would be the best fit for this particular athlete? So like me and you, we both have a background where we came from, you know, basically zero experience. We started running in our 20s and then like got to be Boston qualifiers. Um, But if someone signed up and they were like, you know, a 250 marathoner trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, I would think, you know, maybe like Ben or Megan would be a better right. coach just because they have experience like at that more elite level. Um, and they've been running their whole lives and they probably can connect with them like in that more competitive sense. Yeah. Whereas like us, we, we work better maybe with the people who uh, have, uh, are just starting out or they're, they're on their journey. They have similar backgrounds to us. They're trying to get a BQ, like those sort of things. Right. Um, it's great to have coaches that come from a diverse background because then you can really connect them with someone who would be a great fit for right. them. And with me, I think too, I'm 49 years old. I get what it's like to, you don't recover as fast. You maybe have to take an extra rest day or do those things where I'm not saying you don't understand that, but people in their twenties, I remember when I was in my twenties, people would say, well, just wait. And I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> whatever. And 
I'm there now. Um, so I understand that whole side of it too. So I think a lot of times, and I don't know if you do it intentionally, I, I end up with some of the runners that are around my age. So I, cause I, I get that part of it too, cause it is a little bit different and you sometimes have to, you know, put that into perspective and train a little bit differently too, as you get older. Right. I love that. Cause like in principle, I know, okay, masters runner, we're going to train a little bit differently, but I don't have like the actual firsthand experience. I've never experienced it myself. And so when I, you know, even before I had kids, I coached uh, like two or three women who were just had babies. And yeah. I, I was like, I don't really know what, you know, <laughs> like I knew it was like a big life changing event. I knew like your body went through a lot with childbirth, like I knew all of that, but I hadn't experienced it firsthand. So like I was, it was, there's that guesswork that's involved. Like you don't know for sure. And I'm not saying that now because, you know, I gave birth or because I have a kid, I understand everyone's situation. So clearly it's just, I understand like what needs to happen and it's better to, you know, err on certain sides of caution. And, and it is good to have that firsthand experience. I think most people would like that in a coach. Um, most people who sign up, if they want to qualify for Boston, they probably want to work with someone who's qualified for Boston just yeah. to have that like camaraderie of, okay, like you have wisdom here. Like let's, let's chat. You yeah. Know? But I know what it's like to chase it and want it really bad. And a lot yes. of people out there, I guarantee you listening, want it really bad and I get it. And it took, you know, four and people don't want to always hear this, you know, like four or five attempts for me to finally do it. Um, but it was that whole journey and I learned a ton through that to where I put that now into the training that I have people that I'm coaching. Right. And I think the, the greatest thing about that is it did take you four or five times. You had to learn in that process. Yep. And now you, you have all this knowledge, um, of course, from your own experience, but also from coaching that you can just instill all of like your past mistakes yep. with other people and ha- help them not mi- repeat those mistakes and just become stronger um, as an athlete, which is awesome. Yep. Um, what do you think the most important part of online training has that group training might be lacking? Um, what's what, what does it have that group training doesn't? I think we've, we've kind of, I'm going to sound like we're beating a dead horse here a little bit. Right. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's number one, it's the individualization. Because um, everybody is different. And like I said, way at the beginning of the podcast, even when I coached group, I still made it individual as I could. Um, because everybody responds to training and different outside of, you know, things happening in their lives differently. So I think that's where when you, when you do a group, I'm not saying this always happens, but it can be just like, here you go. And everybody kind of figure it out where when it's an individualized, it's for you. Right. Like when I'm writing the program, it's for you. Right. And I know we've said it like probably a hundred times in this podcast episode, but I think that's the most important part. Um, Running. I know we like to say, you know, it's a team sport and all that stuff. And it is in some aspects, but Really, it's very individualized um, when it comes to the program and what sort of paces that you're supposed to be running. Um, you know, you race alone. It's all just within yourself. Yep. And a lot of it um, does kind of boil down to you as an individual. And that's why sometimes a group setting, it can be difficult because it's not like a group fitness class where, like, you can lower the weights or modify things. It's like right. if you're running with a group, like, you're almost forced to continue that pace. Um which, which can have those downfalls because you're not really able to individualize it. Um, yep. when I think what you just said is, is a great point too. Even like when you, we were talking earlier about running with pace groups or not running with pace groups, or whatever. I, one thing I always make sure I tell people is ultimately you're running in your own head. I mean, you can use other people to help you. You can do those types of things, but it's always going to come down to you as an individual and what's going on in your head. So training yourself the best you can individually is what's going to get you there. Cause you most of the time, especially leading into a marathon, a lot of people run alone the entire time. And then suddenly you're there in this group setting. Um, Cause I have a lot of people that don't go to any running groups. They just run on their own. And then you get into this group setting. Well, you still have to just, what I always like to say is when it's marathon day, my very first thing on a race plan is this is just another workout on your schedule. Just happens to be a lot of other people around doing the same workout at the same time. <laughs> so I kind of make a joke about it, but it's true. Um, and that's why where the individualization again comes in. I wish we had a dollar for every time we've said that word today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you wrote that it's just another work on your train plan, but a lot of other people are, are going to be there along <laughs> with you. That's no, that's actually perfect. It's very true. It's so true. A lot of people have, you know, like the race anxiety and they, they get nervous. And I think just if you remember, okay, it's just another workout. <laughs> like it's not the end of the world. It's not like the final it's not even the final workout, you right. know, like you're going to do more workouts in the future yep. and just go and do a group workout. <laughs> and you get, yeah. And obviously you want things to go right that day and I get it, but think about all the things on your schedule 
where I had you do it and you went out and you did it exactly how we talked about or exactly how it was written. Just do the same thing. It's just a little bit longer and it's, you know, happens to be race day, but that's really my message that I try to get through right away first is it's just another workout on your schedule. Right. Like, don't worry about what other people are doing. Like if someone passes you a mile five or six and you're in a good zone, like that doesn't mean you got to go, go ham at mile six of a half. Uh, yeah, no, I like that. I feel like you're giving me a little pep talk. <laughs> yeah, okay, remember that this weekend. Just I another know, workout. Just execute. Right? You know that course well. Yep. Yep. Use that and to just, your just, too. You're just running with a bunch of other people doing yep. a workout with you. Yep. For anyone it, listening. Yeah. Yep. Just doing that happens to be the same workout on the same day. And it's like, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's very, very true. Yeah, it's just really simple. And I feel like we need to do another episode in the yep. future about like race anxiety and yep. all of that stuff. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with that and I get requests like that a lot, but yep. I think we covered most of the group and um, um, online training. Yep. Uh, it was a pretty long episode. So I really appreciate yeah, you awesome. coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. Cause I know you have a lot of experience doing both and yeah, hopefully yep. we can have you on the show again in the future. So yeah, and have a great anyone... time this weekend up at Grandma's house. Right, You're gonna kill <laughs> thank it. you. I yeah, and you... I almost for... what? <laughs> I almost forgot that if anyone listening wants to work with either one of us or is interested in doing online run coaching in general, just working with a coach, finding out what it's all about, um, you can always try us out for one month. Um, we don't do any like sort of contracts or like long term commitments, which is unique to Run for PRs. I don't think a lot of other online run coaching allows you just to do one month. Um, you can go to our website at www.run4prs.co and fill out the form there. I'll also link it in the show notes. Um, and then you can just get talking to us right away um, about your goals. And there's like no commitment. We can just chat a little bit at first and then um, see, see kind of where it takes us. Awesome. I was just going to say I don't wish, wish people good luck because you don't need luck if you're prepared, which you are. Right. No, I love it. <laughs> good luck to the uncontrollables. Hopefully yep. good weather. Hopefully it's a good day. All of that. Yep. yep. That I like. I'm going to start adding that in. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. Bye.